And we're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 194, aka season 3, episode 14, uh, coming at you this Saturday afternoon-ish. As always, I'm your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, along with MC. And since we give out phone numbers, because I still like giving out phone numbers, uh, 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301, that's 303-335-9527. Or 303-835-1301. Uh, so what is going on with you this week, MC? Um, not much. Same old, same old. Spending too much time on Facebook. <laughs> more, more arguments in anarchist groups? Mm, not so much this week, but yeah. I, I get on there every once in a while. I, 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 just, I don't know why. I just enjoy hearing stupid things. I, I hear you. Um, I don't argue so much in those groups as I used to, mostly because I don't have much time uh, and I have better things to do. Um, but I do, I do like the the resurgence of all the, like the libertarian and liberty oriented uh, meme pages. Oh yeah, that have that have come back from the grave uh, and multiplied. You know, because <laughs> some of that stuff is is quite funny. Liberty Leams. Yep. So I don't I don't have much either, aside from the fact that once again, right, I I I come to defense of myself uh at work when it comes to like my time. Um and so this this is this is always I guess this is gonna be a permanent ongoing problem uh with me and employers who don't want to respect my time. And the weird thing is, um you know, this this is like a couple week dispute going on right now, um, but I, you know, so kind of kind of like the law of attraction a little bit, right? Like I'm running into this problem, and all of a sudden I see like articles in my favor while doing my regular show preppy uh, read throughs, you know, or comments in my favor. It's like you know, don't don't let anyone dictate to you what you can do with your time. Like you know, mm-hmm. your your obligation ends, you know, when you when you get off the clock. I was like, Fuck yeah, they're right. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm running into it again and it's been, a, it's been an issue the last couple of weeks. And so yesterday I went in and got like, you know, the talking to with management about the issue and, and what can be done about it. Uh, and on the one hand, like I saw it, you know, I saw it coming. And so, you know, I, I, I sit down and I know it's coming and the, you know, the, the boss or whatever goes, you know, so how are you doing? How are you finding things? You know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, let's not beat around the bush, man. We both know why I'm here. <laughs> you know, I know this is a scheduling issue and I don't know what to tell you. Um, so the, the, the problem that they have with me is I leave when my schedule's done. Right. They, they have been provided with the hours that I'm available and, you know, with the expectation that they schedule me within those hours. Right. That's that's the contract. Right. That's the that's the business arrangement um, that I have with the organization. Right. I'm a, I'm available, you know, a few days a week between 6 p.m. and 11 p.m. Um, why the start time? Well, because I get off my other job at five and I got to get there. So I, it's difficult for me to start any earlier than that. Um, but when I do get that in, when I do get there, I clock in, you know, I clock in early and, and get on the clock early and I end at 11. Well, because I got to get home and get rested, you know, for the job that pays better. 
uh, the next day. So I don't, I don't stay till midnight or one or two o'clock or whenever it is they, you know, presumably finish, um, you know, the, the, the closing of the, of the restaurant. Uh, and it, it wasn't an issue until a couple of weeks ago because we shut down and closed on time. And I just, I went home like it was, ain't no thing. Um, but the last few weeks there's been delays. Um, and I, I told them this, you know, and, and at the same time, um, I was like, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but there are some people, right. That close faster than others. And when I work with the people that close faster, this is not an issue. But when I work with the people who like talk a lot and spend half the time closing on their phone, right. Then they delay when I can leave and I'm not having that either. Right. Like I don't, you know, I, 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 I bust my ass, um, which, which was evident, you know, so like one of the comments the boss made was like, you know, you're, you're, you're a hell of a worker. I go, I know <laughs> I'm, I'm good at what I do. I, I know this has nothing to do with work performance. It's just strictly scheduling. You know, and he said, well, what we have to come to some sort of compromise. Um, and I offered two. I said, well, the easiest compromise is don't schedule me on that day where we close later, because if we close later, there's not enough time to clean up and get closed down. But if you schedule me on the days that I'm available where, you know, the, the restaurant closes an hour earlier, uh, I have an extra hour to, to clean up and bust down and get everything done. Schedule me on those days, you know, and I, I don't I think he heard it, but he didn't really respond to it. And so I said, the other thing is pay me more. Right. Because like right now, as like right now, you're my second job. You know, my my primary job pays better and gives me more hours. Right. So they have the priority. <laughs> you know, if, if I'm going to be, if I have to go and get ready, you know, for a job and, you know, perform to my maximum capabilities, it's going to be for that job, not this one, because they compensate me better. Um, so if you want to be the priority, you know, you need to compensate me more. And then I went on and I, I told them like how much I was making as a line cook uh, when I was working in Hawaii. And his response was understandable. He was like, well, that's a different restaurant. That's a different market. Um, and I said, well, I know that, right? But what I also know is my value as a line cook, right? And, and, and my value in terms of like my time, right? I'm like, here's my, here's my availability. Um, you can schedule me wherever you want within those hours of availability. But everything prior to that is mine to do with what I please. And everything after that is mine to do with what I please. Um, and in that respect, there is no compromise. Uh, so he, you know, so we had the meeting, he's like, Oh, Hammond Hall, we got to think about it. And it was weird because the, the other lady who was like participating in the meeting conducted my first interview. Right. So, you know, and I don't, I, I don't interview different than my personality is. Does that make sense? So like, you know, sure. so, yeah. So when I went in for the interview, I, I, it was either with her or the other lady. And I basically told him like, I'm a kitchen mercenary. Right. I don't care what the kitchen is. I don't care, you know, what kind of restaurant it is. I can do, I, I learn quick and I'm skilled in the kitchen in general. So I, I come in, I do the job and then I leave. Right. And then, you know, that's, that's kind of how I operate. And if, if, if another kitchen comes along and it has a better pay or whatever, I go to them. Um, so I, <laughs> so, so the, the, they knew this, or at least she knew this going in. Um, and it was funny cause when I, when I got up to like, to, you know, to leave the meeting, um, the gentleman looked a, a little like visibly, visibly 
frustrated or confounded you know that that look of confusion on his face uh, <laughs> and she she looked like she was smirking <laughs> which i thought was funny you know so i'm like so i just go back to the line then he's like yeah i'm like all right so i'm you know so i went back to work um and then he came down you know before he was leaving for the evening he was like uh so so when's your next shift i was like you tell me <laughs> you know like do i get a next do, do i get another shift and he was like and he said yes um, initially, so I, I get to go back to work on Thursday, and then here's the here's the other funny thing, right? So he goes like, "Well, I'll try to make it a point to come in on Thursday, uh, and and talk to you a little bit more about it." He's like, "What time do you get here?" And I went six. <laughs> and he went, "Ah, all right. I guess I guess I'll come back to the rest because it doesn't fit within his schedule, right?" So <laughs> there's a conflict there, um, you know, and in and, and you know he's aware of it, you know, and, and all of a sudden he's being inconvenient. He, he wants to inconvenience me after my hours. Right. And then all of a sudden is experiencing the frustration of being inconvenienced after his regular hours, uh, to have to come back and accommodate me, which is per- totally his choice. Right. I could just come in, do my job, go home, no big deal. But now because he wants to make a, 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 a an issue of it, He's got to come in, you know, outside of his regular hours and inconvenience to him to handle it. Uh, And I just, I don't understand what I don't understand why I'm bringing this up um, as far as, you know, from, from, from a Liberty perspective, from an anarchist perspective, right. I, I try to operate outside the realm of, you know, state, state legalities and state mandates and all this other stuff. And I go like, I look at my employment as a private contract between voluntary agencies, right? Myself and the company or any other representative of the company. And within that, con- within that voluntarily entered into contract, um, there are, you know, like the terms and conditions and the, you know, the, the term, the unstated or even stated terms and conditions is, you know, what my availability is as far as when I'm able to perform the job and whether or not that's acceptable to them. Um, and so, you know, well, before we had this meeting, the, one of the other things that was ongoing was, you know, like the boss, you know, my, my direct supervisor texted me. He's like, you know, after the first one, he's like, I, I, I heard there was a problem, uh, with the out times the other day or, or last night or whatever. And I went, not a problem. I was scheduled till 11. I left at 11. <laughs> not a problem for me. Like that's, you know, that's the way it is. And so he like, he's like, oh, if that's the only problem. You know, then, you know, he changed it so that I was out at 1145. And so I, you know, I saw that coming. So I changed my availability, you know, in the, in the system um, to reflect that I'm only available till 11. So when I saw that, you know, my schedule was out of availability, I went, I texted him back. I went, Hey, I just noticed that, uh, you know, you have me scheduled for a shift that I'm not able to work. It's outside of my hours of availability. I'm sure that was just an oversight based on our previous conversation. So can you please fix that? You know, and he took a day and didn't get back to me. So I texted him again the next day. I'm like, Hey, musta, musta not gotten my text. You know, <laughs> like just, just wondering if you're going to take care of the, you know, the, the scheduling conflict. Um, and he's like, Oh, I'm on vacation. I'll take care of it. And then he did. So I, you know, I went to work and I, I knew that it was already, you know, being remedied and, and taken care of prior to that. But it's just, you know, to, to me, it's like, it's gamesmanship um, on their part and whether or not, um, you know, whether or not I continue to be employed by them is up in the air right now. Uh, but if I do have that other meeting, you know, with the, with the gentleman, what I, 
what I didn't iterate this time because I didn't feel the need for it, but I'm going to share it here now, uh, is again, from that voluntary contract perspective, right? They're not doing me a favor by having me employed. And I, I don't want, I don't want that to be like the tone of any discussion with management, right? Everybody else who's like, oh man, we got to wait till we're dismissed to go home and we have to do this and do that. And I'm like, no, you don't, you actually don't, you know, they need you just as bad. And one of the, you know, and even during the interview process, right? When, when we agreed that I would work part-time as a line cook, it was because they were shorthanded. You know, I got hired with like five other people at the same time because they're shorthanded <laughs> and understaffed and mm-hmm. they don't pay as much as their competitors, you know? So in my mind, I was like, you know, not it, yes, it's voluntary and it's agreeable to both parties, but like, I'm a professional line cook. I'm doing you guys a favor. You know, I came, I, I interviewed for a management position. And when I knew that I wasn't going to be able to accept that, I offered my services as a line cook. And you accepted it. So, so, so don't come across like you're doing me some great favor by hiring me. And if it's no longer acceptable to management of my availability and schedule, then we're going to, we're going to have to let you go because I don't care. Right. If you, if you let me go, you're getting, you're, you're going to have to replace me with someone not as skilled with, without the same work, work ethic and just happens to have a little bit more availability. And that's your trade off. Right. You, you can trade like, you know, five hours of greatness for six hours of mediocrity if you want to, but that's your business as a business. And I don't care. I am highly employable as a line cook, regardless of the hours that I'm available. So, yeah, I just want I again, I just wanted to get that off my chest because from from the liberty, from the anarchist perspective, uh, when it comes to like the red and black side of things, I am a big fan of worker rights or worker worker power, I guess would be a better term than worker rights. Um, and, and what, and a lot of times what I see from the red and black side of things is the, 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 the desire to empower workers to have more control within, within the workplace. Um, and yet the constant, um, bitching or complaining, um, that workers don't have enough power within the workplace. And the only reason that workers don't have more power in the workplace is because most workers go in with the mentality that they have to do everything that the employer says, regardless of what they're being told, um, simply because they need the money, right? They have to have the job. They need to have the money. They have, you know, they, you know, what can we, what can we do without the oppressive work, you know, without the oppressive management and the oppressive entrepreneur owner, you know, bidding over us where we're wage slaves to him. Um, and the reality is that you're not, and you never will be if you change your mindset. And one of the, you know, one of the unfortunate factors for me, um, is I'll probably get fired over this, but they wouldn't be able to do that. If everybody else who worked the line with me shared the same mentality, right? If everyone worked hard, got the job done, you know, got everything done on time, you know, came together as a team and finished the job on time, right? But also left when they were scheduled to leave. Um, if everyone came together in that respects, then they, they would be constantly replacing entire crews and that would never be good for business. So the, the empowerment side of, 
of being an employee or being a worker or being a laborer, however you want to call it, uh, is also compelling or convincing um, or enrolling your other workers, your other employees, your your co-workers, um, your co-laborers into changing that mentality so that you have a little bit more leverage um, when when dealing with uh, decision makers or managers or people who purport to control your life and your time by dictating when you can and cannot leave, um, you know, your shift, uh, you, you know, you, you agree to be there at a certain time and that time comes and goes and they say, sorry, you can't go. And most people will just bow their heads and go, I guess, I guess I got to stay. I just, there's nothing else I can do. And the truth is there is, you just leave and you want to go, you go. And then you handle it on the back end, you know, like me and, and, and stay in your power, right. As, as you're, as an empowered employee, um, and if you're good enough, right, because like I said, it, when I, I walked in there, I said, it is, I know this isn't about job performance because you've seen me. You know, I'm like this all the time, and now you've witnessed it. This is obviously not about job performance. And so if, you wanna, if you're willing to sacrifice job performance, by all means do it. And if more workers can come at it with that attitude, um, I think that balance of power uh, shifts, right, and, and shifts to become more balanced in the mind of everybody. Because I'm pretty sure the boss sits up there in the office thinking, thought, thinking, you know, that he's he's going to take care of this and squash this little issue tonight. And that somehow I was going to, like, apologize and beg and, you know, coalesce to whatever demands he threw out there. And that just didn't happen. And, and, and if it happens to you, then don't let it happen. Um, and then, again, come together with, with others so that it can't happen to any of you. I'm done ranting for now. <laughs> your thoughts mc um As yeah a good job. not retired but retired individual who doesn't have to worry about this shit anymore yeah yeah um yeah you gotta take care of yourself that's rule number one i guess <laughs> and uh yeah i think that's that's a big big part of the problem is uh people not wanting to take responsibility for themselves and so then Oh well, I don't like how I'm treated, so that now I have to I have to vote for things um, instead of just quitting. Yeah. Um, I didn't so, even quit. I'm not even going to quit. There's no reason to even quit that aspect of it. Well, I mean, or or get fired, right? Yeah. So I'm not out of agreement. You're not. But if he can't get his way, you know. <clears throat> yeah, we'll see. We'll we, you know we'll we'll see come Thursday. Yeah, but I, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure as a, as the manager in the office, he expected to get his way straight away. You know, by by calling the meeting, and you know. Well, the other thing is the uh, he he could make the other employees work faster, and then he can get out of at eleven. Yeah, they could. And and again, they, he brought that up. And one of the questions he asked was, "Well, does it matter who you close with?" And I went, "Yeah," because like the dude's name is Kevin. Like Kevin like wants to get out of here just as bad as I do. So he fucking busts his ass and cleans up a lot quicker, you know, than these other two numbskulls, they don't. So, you know, they want the hours, they want the extra pay. So they, they dawdle and then they stay late, you know? But then I said, but I, but I know, but I, I also wanted to be clear, like, this isn't about them. I'm not complaining about my coworkers, right? Cause regardless of who the coworkers is, are, um, uh, I'm leaving when it's, when it's my time to leave. So I'm not, I'm not throwing anybody under the bus, 
but to directly answer your question, yeah, it absolutely matters who else is who else is working. You know, it's like an A team, B team. You work with the A team, you know, shit gets done, shit gets you know, shit gets done quickly, efficiently, profitably. You know, less waste, more more profit. Um, you work with the B team, and it you know it, it doesn't. So maybe maybe that's may, maybe that scheduling is going to factor in. You know, he also said seasonality, right? Like when it, when it really gets busy during the holidays, you know, we might not get out of here till like one or two o'clock in the morning, maybe. <laughs> so you might not, you know, you can fire me now, you know, basically, or you can just let me work until that happens and then fire me at that time because you already know what's coming. The other thing he said was, you know, what, what, well, sometimes we're like getting ready to close and like the tour bus comes through, you know, when the, when the bus comes through, we got to stay open for the bus. And, and, you know, part of me was like, well, no, you don't. Right. Cause you know, uh, it, it, I, I had to, I had to reflect on it a little bit, but it, then it becomes like, you know, the, the greedy capitalist mentality, right. Where we're, we're going to work the workers harder who are, you know, who are already ready to go. They're already worked a long shift. They're ready to, you know, they're ready to go home and take care of their thing, but we are going to stay open because there's more money to be made. And I thought, well, yeah, that's fair if the workers want to stay, right? There was like, there was, I, yeah. it reminded me of yep. like an old Applebee's commercial. I think, I mean, Applebee's. you could, you could do it like give them an extra five bucks an hour for the, you know, for the extra time that you're going to stay, you know, overtime you pay. You could totally do that. And an extra five bucks an hour would change my opinion drastically of the whole situation. You know, for an extra five bucks an hour, I will stay later. You know, and that's why I brought up compensation. I was like, you just, you just don't pay me enough to, 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 to stay. I will work my schedule around something if, you know, if, if compensated accordingly, but yeah, better pay is, you know, it's not the only factor, but when it comes to that kind of a thing, right. If you go, Hey, the bus just rolled in, everyone gets like a bonus 20 bucks, right. To, to stay open and run these transactions. And if it, and if, if, if they're going to make that much money off of a bus, you know, coming through, right. Cause you know, it's like 60, 80 people maybe on the bus mm-hmm. depending on the size of the tour bus. Right. Surely you can kick your workers a little bit, you know, a little bit of that, um, you know, to to incentivize them and to uh, reward them for the extra effort and the extra hours. But to say, no, you must stay and we're only going to pay you what we have been paying you, but we're going to bring in all this extra money is, you know, very disrespectful um, at the very least. And yet they think they can get away with that because the workers have. Because they, because they think they have the workers have no other place to go, and again, I remember from my interview, they go like the the labor market is so competitive, right? That workers will cut for an extra nickel. You know, if if they're making fifteen bucks an hour and they can get fifteen oh five somewhere, they leave. I mm. go, well, that's that's a you problem then. That's not a work problem. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Hey, at least they know what the solution is. <laughs> yeah, well, the solution is they let them go. They let them go to like to suppress, to suppress wages. And like I, I talked to M about this too. Um, it's weird. Uh, I and I understand the whole market situation, right? But it's weird that the entire city um, has like a labor shortage, but none of the business owners are willing to uh, fix that with wages, right? And we, I talked about it. I talked. I talked about it with M and then we talked about it in, you know, our, our Tuesday night group meetup with, with other movers, um, to the area and just to see if they've experienced the same thing. And they said, yeah, it's like, it's one big, like collusionary effort, 
you know, it's like a, it's a cultural effort um, by the local businesses where they, they all agree to like to not raise wages, but they all agree to be understaffed at the same time. So yeah. you, get, you get poor service everywhere you go. Yeah, yeah. And I don't. And and even M was talking about that. You know, we um, who else was I? T- I think I I think I talked to Cosmo a little bit about it too, um, via text. Which is, um, I I think it's because of population density here compared to uh, back home in Hawaii. We're like in Hawaii. That one island has like a million people on it, and so the, the talent pool is a little bit deeper uh, than the hundred thousand or so in the city that we live in. Well, it's also Hawaii is pretty interesting because it's really expensive to live here too, and so people that are low skilled are going to have a lot harder time uh, making it. So they're, they're they're better off working somewhere else um, where it's cheaper to live. Yep, and then. And then if you are low skilled and you and you have to work three jobs and that's just what you do. Which I've done um, as yeah. a as a low skilled person for a long time. Continue. I just wanted to interject. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. So so anyway, so the, the, the talent pool seems to be cheaper uh seems to be better and or deeper, excuse me, uh in Hawaii. But here, right, it seems like a lot of uh common problems that you run into with customer service um are not solved and or not cared about um by anybody like right up right up to management like you know you you would think there would be a solution and yet everyone just you know passes the buck or doesn't care or just doesn't even think about coming up to a solution um uh, i i don't have a an example offhand because it's just like you know stores we go to um oh okay so here's a here's another good example Right. And it didn't happen to us, but we were there. We witnessed it. So we, again, we were at dinner on Tuesday and one of our uh, friends that we usually, you know, hang out with at dinner, um, had like a $10, uh, gift card credit. She had $10 worth of points on her loyalty card at the restaurant that we go to. And her meal was like six bucks. So they ran the, the $10 credit towards the meal and then gave her her receipt that said she had like $0 left of her her point credit and so she was like where'd my four bucks go right like if if i knew i was if i knew i was going to spend 10 bucks on a six dollar dinner you know i would have just spent six bucks cash and not used my points in any way shape or form and so the waitress had a hard time number one understanding the problem excuse me and then had had another hard time resolving the problem because she like she left and she was gone for a long time and then when she came back she was like Oh, the manager said it's there. Like you still have your, you still have your four bucks. And she was like, but it doesn't say that anywhere. Like <laughs> now I'm kind of just like taking you at your word for it, you know, and there's, there's the documentation still shows zero. You're saying that there's four, but how do I know? Right. And it's like, that was the end of it. Like the waitress, like kind of looked confused and then walked away and the manager never came out to deal with it. <laughs> so where, where are we at? You know, so she's she's still sitting at the table frustrated, you know, because she's holding a receipt that still shows zero. She doesn't she's not sure. You know, she's like, can I get a printout that it shows four? then? Can I get something? And the answer was basically no. And then then bye. <laughs> I'm like, that's ridiculous. You know, to, to me, that's ridiculous. Um, oh, another quick example, because it, it was it just happened to me uh, at work before coming here 
was like the flip side to that, where I was accused of not caring enough about a problem, right? Because a guy came in, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not at my home facility. I'm going to call it my home facility because, uh, you know, Saturdays, when I do work Saturdays, I cover the, the, other, the one closer to home um, managed by another lady who's been with the company for a while so she can have, like, you know, her weekends off or her every other weekend off or whatever it happens to be. Um, so the guy comes in, he goes like, it smells like smoke by my locker and there's dog poop on the ground. I went, okay. Like I can come up and I will, I, I will, you know, mop up the dog poop. And it's like, it's already dry. I'm like, okay, I will come up and sweep up the dog poop. And, you know, he's like, and what are you going to do about the smoke? It's like, I don't know. <laughs> what would you like me to do about, you know, like, I do, I'm not going to come up there and catch the guy who's smoking. Cause he's, you know, if, if you're smelling it in the hallways, he's long gone. Like what, you know, what do you want me to do? You know, he's like, was well, there, is there a manager I can talk to? Because like my, my unit is now like, you know, has smoke getting into it. I go, so I gave him the manager's name. I said, seriously though, like, what do you, what do you want me to do now? Like at, in my capacity sitting here right now, you're saying the hallway smells like smoke but you don't, but there's nobody else up there, but you, you know, what do you want me to do? And he was like, put up non-smoking signs everywhere so that they, so that everyone knows that they're not allowed to smoke up there. <laughs> it's like, I'm pretty sure they already know that they're just, they're just breaking the rules, man. <laughs> you know? Like if I don't, if I'm not up there to catch them, like they got away with one, you know, point for them, you know? But I was like, you know, but, but I asked him, you know, I was, I'm, tr- I'm trying to help you out. Like, what, what do you want me to do? He's like, put up non-smoking signs everywhere. I'm like, okay, I'll make a note. But I'm not, that's, that's, well, that's not within my capacity as we're sitting here, you know. And it may not be in the budget to go out and grab all, to, to put signs up everywhere for something that's, you know, already a well-established rule that people just choose to break. You know, people break the rules all the time. Putting up a sign is not going to help. But it was, you know, thinking about it, it was, it was weird because I was like, you know, the immediate problem that I can solve is I can go clean up the dog shit. It's like perfectly fine with that. It's like, it's already dry. So I'm like, all right, I'll sweep it. You know, so I, I gathered my things. I went up there. I swept it. I said, you know, I checked in with him. I was like, hey, is there any more? Do you see anything? Like, I'll, I'll, I'm here now. I'll take care of it. Um, but when I went up there, I also didn't smell the smoke. Like, there was no smoke when I did my, my regular walkthrough. Uh, and there was no smoke smell when I went, <laughs> when I went up there again. So by the time it took him to like come down to the front desk and go back, it, it had already dissipated. <laughs> it's like, there, it's a heavy, thick smell coming from my locker. Like, well, maybe one of your guys is smoking in there, man. Like, I, <coughs> I don't know what to tell you. It's already gone. You know, shit happens. But I, you know, in my opinion, you know, it, I don't, I, again, I don't want to, I can see from his point of view how it would be like uncaring customer service. Um, but I want to differentiate the two examples where in one example, there's something that actually could have been done, right? Which is make a note, sign a note, you know, make sure that the, uh, the manager is aware and has documented that there's a $4 credit. And then in my case, like, how do you, how do you catch the guy who's, who's like, you know, took a few drags off a cigarette and then left the building, you know, and, and reprimand him in some way. You know, so to make sure that his cigarette smoke doesn't get into this other dude's locker. Like, to me, that's that's a little bit of a weird request that wasn't going to be solved. Wasn't going to be solved right away. Um, and also wasn't going to be solved by putting up no smoking signs. MC? All right. Um, what else we got? Headlines! If you want to. Unless you got something. Nope. <laughs> All right. 
human trafficking grant goes to arrest suspected victims in Tucson. Uh, headline, civility is important, but really, but we really need agreement without conformity. Uh, headline, an extra $500 a month, 100 residents to be selected for basic income pilot program. Uh, headline, school bans designer coats in order to poverty-proof campus. And finally, headline, Vermont man barred from building on his own property flips off government with giant middle finger statue. Uh, any place in particular you want to start this week, MC? Oh, anywhere is good. All right, we'll do we'll do this because I know I know this is in in a different form, like a pet project of yours. So let's talk. Let's once again rehash uh, basic income uh, in a in a different form, perhaps. An extra five hundred dollars a month, one hundred residents to be selected for basic income pilot program. This California, yeah, Stockton, California. A special letter mail carriers are delivering to hundreds of homes in Stockton will hopefully bring a little financial relief in the new year. The money is part of the city's basic income pilot program. Stockton is the first city in the country to launch it. The letter 1,200 people will be receiving over the next few days does not mean people will automatically receive money, but it brings them closer to potentially being selected. Stockton dad Jose Miranda works hard to save his money, but setting aside a small portion of his paycheck every other week can be a challenge. He says his expenses just keep piling up. Uh, kids, you know, my kids, I spend money on my kids the most, I think, and rent in particular. Food and phone, said Miranda. Uh, Miranda lives in a neighborhood where the median income is at or below $46,000. It's one of the areas in Stockton Economic Empowerment Demonstration Program, SEED is sending letters to people who may be eligible to get $500 a month with no strings attached. I think for the people that really need it, it will be good for them. Like a lot of people say, groceries, rent, car payment, even if you want to help a family member, anything extra is good to get, Miranda said. A team of independent researchers will pick 100 people to receive the money. The purpose is to study how an extra $500 a month impacts people's health and stress levels. Researchers are also looking to see if people feel financially secure. Around this country, especially in communities like Stockton, people are working incredibly hard and falling further and further behind. We have people in our community that work two or three jobs. We have people that are working and still can't pay rent, said Mayor Michael Tubbs. The researchers will also have a comparison group as part of the program. It consists of 200 additional people who will get a $20 gift card for filling out surveys and provide feedback. Uh, people who are working incredibly hard are smart, and they don't have money because they are not good with money. They don't have money because jobs aren't paying enough for folks to live and survive. Uh, we, we believe that something as small as $500 a month can make a world of difference, he said. People who receive a letter from Seed have until December 23rd to fill out a consent form online. The 100 people selected will be noticed by mid-January. The money will be delivered to those individuals soon after that end of the article uh i don't necessarily need to know like how you feel about uh basic income mc but what do you what are your thoughts on this application of the theory um they're doing it all wrong <laughs> but Go besides on. that i don't know um so you know the, for one thing the amount of people they're they're picking uh, is not enough to do any study on 
Um, the, the amount of money is probably not enough to make much of a difference. Um, I'm sure they'll be really happy about it, um, but it's probably not going to make them more productive or, or you know, want to change jobs or anything. So, um, so they'll just have a small advantage over other people, and somebody's going to have to pay for that. It's probably going to be by theft, and theft is wrong as it always is. So, um, yeah. So we'll have a little bit more theft. <laughs> to get this redistribution just a little yeah so yeah it's kind of silly i i gen i generally agree with you um when you say that they're doing it wrong here's another thing that may happen uh i'm just going to throw it out there because what what happened in seattle well i think what it was when they raised the minimum wage was that rather than uh making more money people just worked less Right. They made the same amount of money, but they had more leisure time. So it's very possible that the, the people in Stockton who get this money right, will choose uh, will choose more leisure than they will more work and more savings and more income. Right. They'll, they'll make the same amount of money. But now you have to work uh, whatever the equivalent of five hundred dollars less is. Right. So if that, you sure. know, that's yeah. And that might happen. Um, that, and a lot of that really depends on how much they were work, working before. Um, if they were, if they were fine working 40 hours a week and, and, and they, then most likely they'll keep working 40 hours because, you know, somebody will want them to work that much, you know? Um, uh, but if they weren't working that, if they're working an odd amount of hours, um, then yeah, they could easily, uh, work less hours or maybe they're working two jobs and maybe they'll work one and a half jobs, you know? Yeah. Or like I said, even if they were fine working 40 hours, maybe now they work 30, right? Because they, they were fine at 40. They were fine with the income they had at that at that rate. So now they have the same income, but but less hours. So I can, so if, if they're, you know, if the study is on, you know, health and stress, uh, I can also see how that would like, you know, look good on the study, right? Oh, they worked less. They, you know, they made the same amount of money, but they worked less. They had less stress. There was, you know, uh, less labor labor induced better rest you know better heart rate or whatever you know however you measure stress or something like that um but yeah and then then you know the other the other consideration is where are they getting the money you know who's funding this operation and if it's not some uh benevolent benefactor you know some wealthy sacramento stockton uh basic income aficionado of some form or fashion yeah, the likelihood is that it's coming from theft, from theft, and who's who ends up paying for that? You know, it's the the people who actually earn the money, uh, in some form or fashion, uh, and if the city council or whatever decides, like, you know, it's because these employers aren't paying enough money to their employees, uh, so we need to make them pay more so that we can, you know, fill in the gap with the basic income. Uh, then that, uh, then again, that just gets passed off and passed down to consumers. Right. And, and the quote unquote taxpayers, um, you know, down the line and, and they'll notice that, you know, things become more expensive and all of a sudden that five, that free $500, you know, that free $500 a month, um, doesn't quite buy what it used to, right. It'll, it'll be, it'll be a boom, uh, for a short period of time when people first get the money and once they start spending it and, you know, taxes go up to pay for it and subsequently, uh, 
prices go up to, to cover it for the businesses, um, all of a sudden you're you're right back to square one. And then what? Then is it a, is a thousand dollar basic income for a handful of people? Is it two thousand? Does it need to be five thousand? You know, where, where does it end with the with uh, this type of nonsense revolving around basic income? <laughs> uh, but if only there was a crypto coin that could solve and this that's, all. Well, that's why I say that um, uh, we we shouldn't have a basic income that's that's paid with taxes. Um, and what we do have right now is a financial system that's corrupt. Um, and so if we could, my, my goal is to replace the financial system and basically incentivize people to, to uh, jump on board. And uh, people seem to like inflationary systems, um, but I don't think the inflation should go to uh, the big banks, uh, big corporations and the military. I think it should just go to the people. Um, I think that's the fairest way to have an inflationary system. Now, if you don't want an inflationary system, well, there's there's Bitcoin and gold. Well, gold's still a little bit inflationary because they mine it, but um, but at least work goes into that, right? So you know it has value because somebody put uh, <laughs> put energy into digging it out of the ground. So um, so there's there's options already available for. Uh, non-inflationary systems and uh, if we want an inflationary system uh, we should come up with a better one than the federal reserve that's that's my opinion okay i have a question for you because i think i heard something differently this time than the way i've heard it in previous discussions are is your plan to create an inflationary currency because you believe in an inflationary system or you think that you are meeting consumer demand for an inflationary currency? Um, if you look at the current system, the inf inflationary money drove out uh, hard money. It was very easy for them to do that. So even if we went to a gold standard this year, uh, they could get off of it over the next 20 years. So, um, I don't think, um, I don't think having the government say which, which currency people should use is, is viable. That's, that's where the breakdown happens. Okay. Is letting the government decide for us. <clears throat> so in order to undercut, uh, federal reserve notes, um, and it would be easy to do because, uh, the, Reserve notes are are uh, the are very inefficient because all the there's there's so much money being given to uh, the rich bankers and the the military and uh, and the big corporations in the form of loans um, that um, it <clears throat> it'll be easier to uh, to have a more efficient system with every with uh, the the total population involved. Um, so yeah, it's just, there's just so much waste in the current system. It'd be easy to make uh, another system work better. Um, but there has to be an incentive structure okay. for people to do that. So let me, let me rephrase my question, maybe to ask it a different way. Um, cause I don't, I don't think I heard an answer the, the way I, the way I was hoping absent the absent, the state mandated fiat currency. And in our case, the federal reserve. 
do you think that people would then voluntarily choose an inflationary currency over a, a hard money backed currency? Well, I mean, we are, we already have proof that they, that they don't pick a hard money backed currency because they can right now. That's kind of what I was explaining. It's... Well, they, they sort of can. I mean, you're, you're, you're not wrong when you say they can. Yeah, I, they can. I think, th I think the choice is basically skewed because of legal tender laws. Um, sure. And forcing people to use, you know, government currency. Right. Right. But it's, it's not just force. It's it just, it's just easy. It was easy for them because it used to be gold and they debased it until there's nothing left. And now it's just debt. Right. So um, it, it wasn't the users of money that did that. It wasn't the, the average consumer, the average individual. Well, I mean, they, they choose to keep working for it. Okay. And you don't, and, and you don't think that that, you don't think that the the fiat mandate by the government has uh, a role to play in in the reason why people are willing to work for it? It, it does, okay. but it, that that can be undercut. It, it's it's possible to make a currency that's uh, more efficient and and better. So so Bitcoin, for example, um, I think is better than gold as far as its usability and. Uh, and mathematical limitations, or it's mathematically limited. Um, so that's, you know, another thing, reason why it's better than gold. Um, okay. And it's and it's going to keep growing and growing. And and they're going to keep printing more Federal Reserve notes. And so, it's, okay. you know, over time it's going to, you know, I don't know how much its actual worth is going to be compared to gold. Uh, you know, I hope it reaches the same value of, of all the gold in the world. But... Um, you know, we'll we'll see what happens then. That's my that's my prediction is that Bitcoin will become worth all the gold in the world, at least. Okay. Um, so in order to get now at that point, so imagine Bitcoin is worth all the gold in the world. Right. Is everybody in the in in the U.S. and everybody around the world uh, all of a sudden just going to drop using stop using their fiat currency? Well, the answer is no, because gold exists and nobody's you know stopping using fiat currency because. Um, just because you know gold gold exists, <laughs> right. um, they're going to keep doing the thing the way they've always done it, and what, whatever's easiest, and however they can get paid the easiest. And the, way, the reason they can get paid the easy easiest with fiat is because it's the most plentiful, it's the most uh, easy to get. <laughs> they, they basically print it, you know. <laughs> right. They actually do just print it. It's easy to get rid of. <laughs> um, so that's what they use uh, to pay people. Um, and uh, so in order to get people uh, off the fiat system, you have to have an equally uh, easy to use and exchange and an equally uh, uh, abundant source of, of money. And, and so that's why I said, you know, instead of a top-down system where the inflation comes from the banks and the big corporations and the, and the military, so I have it reverse that. Uh, the money comes from the bottom up, so all the people, okay, uh, they all just get it and they spend it and they set set the value of however they want. And uh, so the limitations come in and 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 how it's how it's uh, distributed. And so my my theory was maybe one one per week, so it's you know fifty two a year. Okay. And, uh, and it would be it would be inflationary because that's the only way you think that a new currency could legitimately compete and overtake the Federal Reserve system. Um, 
Uh, basically, um, it's, the, the issue is the distribution of it. So if you want people to use it, everybody has to have it. And you can't do it just a one-time only thing, like, oh, sign up and you get, uh, you, know, you get some tokens because half the people will just sell them immediately and, uh, and they won't have any interest in using it again. So if you have it, you know, a weekly thing, where everybody gets to participate in the inflation and then you can you know some people will just sell it immediately when they get it some people will save it some people will lend it to uh, a bank for interest and some people will borrow it because you know that's how that's how loans work you can yeah. borrow enough to buy a car and then you know because it's an inflationary system you know you'll you'll, you'll be able to work for somebody else to get those tokens and and then you can pay back the loan over time and then you'll have a car. So that's kind of how the, the dollar works. And yeah. so it needs, it needs to be competed with in that way. And Bitcoin can't do that because if I loan my Bitcoin out, there's a really good chance that, you know, uh, Bitcoin is going to go too high, too fast. And the person's not going to be able to pay him back. And I'm just going to be pissed. You know, <laughs> So yeah. there's no reason to lend out my Bitcoin. Um, that that's more to deal with the volatility of, sure. it, of the of its value not yeah. necessarily the the non-inflationary aspect of it well it's just volatile right now because it's non-inflationary okay because uh you know because there is a limit and uh so you know at one point when when the government said oh it must be gold and silver well, that was fine um but the thing that's not fine about it is that the government said it can only be gold and silver <laughs> Right. So if, if the government has the ability to to say what shall be used, then they can also change their mind. And so right. that's that's what I'm saying. There, there has to be something uh, better than than fiat to to uh, to change their mind. Um, okay. I guess I guess the the other concern that draws up all the time is if it's better than fiat, will people actually change their mind? Um, and there, I, I don't think they will. There's any number of currencies available better than fiat, and nobody's changed their mind, or not enough people um, have changed their mind. Yeah, there, the, well, there hasn't been uh, an, an inflationary uh, currency yet um, to, that competes with fiat. There hasn't been a, uh, a private central bank, we'll say that. Okay. It's all government-backed. Yet. Right. Because MC's working on it. Yep. All right, moving on? Sure. All right, man, this is tough. All right, let's do this one because I think it'll be fun, and then we might just push up right to the end of the show uh, if we discuss it. And I think if I got into the longer article, there wouldn't be much time for commentary, even though the other article is probably better. Vermont man, barred from building on his own property, flips off the government with giant middle finger statue. Frequent reason readers probably know that zoning regulations can be a bit, let's just say, cumbersome. Over the years, we've covered countless stories about the government getting in the way of citizens building what they want on their own private property. But most citizens don't respond the way Ted Pelkey of Vermont did. First, a background. Pelkey runs a monofilament recycling and truck repair business with his son. For years, he says he's been trying to move his business from Swanton, Vermont to Westford, to do that, he needs a permit to build an 8,000-square-foot uh, garage on his property in Westford. But the town has been giving him issues. We've been trying to put a business there for the past 10 years, Pelkey told the Burlington Free Press. It's just never ending. 
They're railroading us really good, he added, explaining that his business is a low-impact thing with such little traffic, you'd wonder if we were open. So why won't the town of Westford let Pelkey build the garage? Uh, Vice News reports, the Westford Select Board and Development Review Board has denied Pelkey's request for the large garage, asserting that his applications did not meet the town's standards for a variety of reasons. Among them, Pelkey's application lacked necessary information about lighting that would likely be needed for security purposes and did not effectively describe the purpose of the building, officials said. Pelkey isn't buying it, instead claiming the, town's, uh, the town review board is biased against him. The strain with local officials has been there for 10 years, he told the New Haven Register. They don't like us. Eventually, Pelkey decided to take action. I was sitting at the bar and I said to my wife, Hey, I want to get a statue made of a middle finger and I'm going to put it up on the lawn, he told Boston.com. So that's exactly what he did. Uh, Pelkey commissioned a Vermont artist to carve a 700-pound wooden sculpture of the middle finger. On November 30th, he had it installed in his yard, complete with two floodlights, so that it's visible 24-7. All told, the project cost about $4,000. If you don't want to look at the building, look at this, he told Boston.com. Here's the kicker. The town may be able to stop him from building his garage. But there's not a single thing officials can do to force him to get rid of the middle finger statue. While the state of Vermont doesn't allow off-premise billboards, the sculpture isn't actually advertising anything. Instead, it's considered public art, which is protected under the First Amendment. Pelkey is not breaking a state law, and according to the Westford Select Board Chair Allison Hope, he's not in violation of any local regulations either. The Pelkies can do what they like to exercise their free speech within the laws and regulations, Hope told the Burlington Free Press. So, the middle finger will stay up, at least for the foreseeable future. Uh, Pelkey's attorney has appealed the review board's decision regarding construction of the garage with a court hearing possible next month. Hopefully, Pelkey will be able to build his garage if it's his own pro- it is his own property after all. Even if his efforts fail, we applaud him for taking matters into his own hand and exercising his right to freedom of speech. I'm sure there have been times when we've all wanted to flip off the government. Uh, Pelkey simply took things to the next level. Uh, so your thoughts, M- MC, on this, uh, flipping off the government, uh, anything you've done in the past or recently uh, to give your own little mini protest to those that oppress us? Hmm. <laughs> I can't think of much that I've done <laughs> as far as that, that rhymes with that. But um, I, I've seen people uh, you know put bumper stickers on. Uh, one of them was you know cops suck. <laughs> that one's that one's always dangerous to have on your car. <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> I had a bunch of stickers from LibertyStickers.com, and man, was I a target. Sure. Um, yeah, you got to get one that has you know. The flag with the blue line on it, then that. Yep. So you can the, the boot be a good boot, special. Boot liquor. Yeah. <laughs> the, but, the, uh, I'm one of you. Please don't bother me, officer. Sticker. Right. <laughs> I'm invisible. I'm invisible. You can't see me. I have this sticker. <laughs> yeah. Th- this is this is my shield, my protection against yeah, you, sir. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I, I wish, I wish he would build the building anyway. Um just to make him 
take it down, but that's probably really expensive. Maybe he should yeah. crowdfund it. Okay. You know, and so that way there's no economic hit if the if the city does come down on him. But then, like, if he had the building and the middle finger, then he could be like, okay, I'll make a deal. <laughs> I'll let you take one of them down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, the the middle finger was only $4,000. I'm sure putting in, you know, all the garage parts be in the yeah. six figures at least. Yeah, I mean, at least, at least uh, I don't know, depending on how big it is, 50 grand up, you know. Yeah. I think I think I think it was going to be well. It's it was an eight thousand square foot garage, so, so I envision that being fairly large. Yeah. So yeah, but anyways, I I like stories like this because anytime anytime you can like stick it to them in some way, form, or fashion, you know, is is always a good thing. It does, it, and it's you know, it's peaceful, it's nonviolent, it gets the message across. Uh, is it is it going to help his case? Uh, in getting the garage built, probably not. Uh, but if if you've been going back and forth with the state for ten years, uh, and they're and they're still not you know acquiescing or and allowing you to like you know run your business or or build pro build buildings on your own property, um, I don't I don't see what the problem is. Right? It's like oh no, if you, if you do that, then they really won't let you. Well, they haven't let them for ten years. So like you know what what makes you think they're going to start now all of a sudden if he doesn't you know. They might blame the middle finger now. Well, look, he's insulting us, so now we can't. We we were going to approve it after ten years, but now we're not going to. <laughs> the other thing, well, if that's he's why I said he should just build it anyway. <laughs> yeah, if he's going to do it, he should build the building as an art installation as well. Then, oh, okay, sure, right, and not run not run the business out of there. It'll be a big can. a big middle finger building. <laughs> yeah, you know, if it, if it's if it's art, you know, and he, and, he's, and there's no you know signs or advertising or anything like that, and it's not it's not a business building, uh, then it's just a garage, right? And then at some point they they can you know zone the garage uh, to allow him to conduct business there. But until then, you know, he's got the he's got the garage and the middle finger, um, and then the you know the the business in the other town can you know make the money, and, and that's been sustaining him anyway. Who knows? But I like again. I like stories like this because any any way to give it to what I, man? What was um, what did Andy's bumper uh, not bumper sticker? But didn't Andy get a license plate that was offensive at one point and then sued and got the the state to to allow it? Um, yeah, I thought it was cop suck. <laughs> okay, yeah, there you go. Is that the one? I think so. Okay, well there you go. See, just get it done, and then you know, free speech is what it is. Um, although at one part of the article was like, you know, uh, you, you're allowed to exercise your free speech within the confines of the, the laws and rules and regulations, uh, makes me a little nervous because if there's rules and regulations surrounding free speech, um, then the, they can just change the rules to, to stop you from speaking. So that's, you know, let's not let that go unnoticed, uh, as far as wording in the article as well. Final thoughts? Nope. All right, man, we made it to the end. Uh, thank you very much for listening, everybody. You guys know where to find us, anarchistexperience.com, facebook.com slash anarchistexperience. Uh, the rest of the articles in the groups, uh, facebook.com slash groups slash anarchistexperience, uh, minds.com slash theanarchistexperience, uh, twitter.com slash theanarchistexp. Um, if you'd like to contribute to the show financially, and hey, why wouldn't you, um, for obvious reasons, uh, go ahead and do that on Patreon, patreon.com slash theanarchistexperience. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Peace.